What is up, guys? Welcome to episode 53 of the Triage Method podcast. I'm here with Paddy Farrell. It's just the two of us again this week. We got some really good f- feedback on last week's episode, so I'm glad you guys enjoyed that. Um, hopefully, we'll have some guests on again in the future, but for now, you're just going to have to put up with myself and Paddy. So, Paddy, it's been a beautiful week here in Ireland. It's been good weather. What did you get up to? How was your week? How are you doing? Well, Gary, like the vast majority of people, I actually have shit to do from nine to five as I'm in oh, college. Really? Oh, yeah, I know, I know. It's actually, it's absurd, really. Um, so I haven't really got to enjoy the sun too much. We record this on a Saturday because people are going to be listening to this on Monday. Quite, quite overcast here in Dublin. I don't know what it's like. Where are you down in Kerry or Limerick? I don't know. Yeah, it's a little bit overcast here as well. Yeah, it's quite, quite overcast. So didn't really get to enjoy the sun too much. I did enjoy, you know, usually around lunchtime, I like to eat my lunch, then go for a walk. You know yourself, you have to get aid, aid the digestion. You have to get that kind of glute force stimulation. You you must get out into the sun at lunchtime. It's it's actually, it's a non-negotiable. If, if you don't, it's you, essential. You, you've pretty much lost at life if you haven't. Um, but no, seriously, yeah. Uh, I usually go for a bit of a walk after lunch. Uh, so I did get some sun exposure, which is always good. Uh, but yeah, I have a little bit of a farmer's tan going on because I tan pretty easily. But obviously, I wasn't wearing appropriate clothing. Like I wasn't sunbathing top off or anything. Um, but yeah. You weren't showing off the gains. I don't really have much of those. So there's not much to show off, to be honest. But yeah, so it's been sunny. But yeah, nine to five, Lark doesn't really allow you appreciate the the sun or the good weather. But how have you been, Gary? You have a, well, you're on placement now, aren't you? Yes. So having a fun time. Essentially, the nature of my placement is that it's called Access Campus, which means that rather than going out to the hospital like we normally would on placement, we work with different groups in the community. So for example people with undergoing cardiac rehab, with Parkinson's disease, general elderly groups, and even a group of dancers who, who are really elite athletes, to be honest, um, when you actually consider the amount that they train, etc. But um, but yeah, that's placement at the moment. Just, just like bodybuilders then? Oh, yeah. This is the funny thing, actually, because I was actually talking to the dancers about this. Bodybuilders go on as if they do the most hardcore shit ever. But bodybuilders train for what? eight to ten hours a week is that fair enough i, I, I would say even that's less. a lot generally generally speaking we'll say what half an hour cardio we'll say five days per week and we'll say resistance training an hour five days per week so they're really only getting about seven hours yeah it's, it's like it's not a lot of training and to put that in context the average in a group of dancers young dancers between traditional irish dance channel dancing and contemporary dancing was 20 hours of training per week 20 you know and they're just like yeah it's just what i do and they do it as part of college and they also deal with all their academic stress and get on with their lives and i think that's interesting because i think people think that bodybuilding is just the most hardcore thing in the world whereas when you actually look into the research it's like oh yeah bodybuilding and strength sports have relatively low injury rates it's not that risky it's not that hardcore like you know chill out bro <laughs> you know <laughs> other people train too but uh but yeah so that's placement good fun basically just running exercise interventions and education interventions and on that note that's sort of going to bring us into the topic of 
this week's discussion, which is going to be the role of personal trainers as frontline healthcare professionals. And this is as much of an ideal vision as it is like something that is currently ongoing and something that we see quite a bit of potential for. Um, so if we think of, you know, some of the things that I'm doing currently as part of my placement, like as physios, basically what we're doing is running exercise interventions that require, you know, or should require a good knowledge of exercise in order to administer, okay? Appropriate exercise selection, appropriate intensity, good knowledge of things like exercise physiology and all that sort of stuff, okay? Now, given the nature of our placement, we tend, or, or of our profession, we tend to get placed in some clinical populations, okay? So that can include people who are after heart attacks. It can, can include people with um, Parkinson's disease, post-surgery, etc. That's kind of the role of physio. When we think about personal trainers, and we, when we're talking about frontline healthcare professionals, we should be viewing personal trainers as key points of intervention for people to, to, to prevent the onset of illness, disease, certain injuries um, in the long term. Okay, And I think that's sort of the starting point, because I think you can go further and say that there really isn't much of a reason in some cases why personal trainers can't work with people who have certain diseases and pathologies. Like I don't see there being much of a problem, especially in, in most cases where there's not significant contraindications and you don't need that much medical knowledge. Um, but I think starting there for this conversation is a good point. Like the role of personal trainers in both educating and intervening on a public health level to essentially improve population health in the long term. So that's our starting point. Do you have anything to add there, Paddy? Yeah, and I, I think when you first hear this, you can, well, it depends on what you're coming, what context you're coming from. But when you first hear this as like, you know, personal trainers as frontline healthcare workers, you potentially have a, a kind of visceral, like, oh, that's stupid. Or an, another reaction where you're like, yes, yes, oh, that's totally true. You kind of, you fall into those two camps of either like, that is absolutely stupid, or you fall into the camp of, yes, this is actually the way you should be thinking of things. And it really depends on the context you're coming from, how you view this whole whole discussion. But I want everyone to keep an open mind as to this, because there are pros and there are cons, and there's a lot of stuff that would need to be done to do this effectively. Like you said, Gary, this is more of a, to some extent, a, an ideological discussion than a discussion of the, the, the fitness industry as a whole, right? Um, the reason I think a lot of people would object to this is twofold. First of all, I don't think the vast majority of personal trainers have the required knowledge to actually be placed in the, the healthcare model, right? And I'm not saying that, you know, oh, we're better because we have more knowledge. And I'm not saying that, oh, all these people are stupid because they don't know X, Y, and Z about whatever disease, pathology, fucking whatever, you know? What I'm saying is they, it doesn't, re personal training doesn't require that amount of information, right? It doesn't require that amount of learning, I suppose, education, whatever the fuck you want to call it, all right? And I also believe the other factor that is involved in this is the fact that Western medicine as a whole 
isn't really healthcare, it's sick care, right? And I hate saying that because then you, you get all these kind of quack thoughts or these people that are like propagating a certain belief that they're like, oh yes, that's so true. It's it's sick care. They don't really care. They don't care about keeping you healthy. And it's like, that's that's not really what I'm saying. What I'm saying is Western medicine is really, really fucking good at helping people who are already sick. You know, like if you break your arm, like especially acute injury, if you break your arm, fuck yeah, I want some medical professional who <laughs> is good at setting bones, is good at this kind of trauma, this blunt force trauma, whatever the fuck it is. You know, I, I, I really, really like Western medicine for that kind of stuff. And I think that it is uh, a really, really good idea to, or rather the, 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 the healthcare system is really, really well set up for that you know and um, but for the vast majority of cases i do believe that it is more sick care than healthcare. they don't really focus on the preventative side of things you know and the preventative side of things is where personal trainers as frontline healthcare workers would fall in and to give you a more concrete example of what i'm talking about is in the medical profession like you could be going to your doctor your your, your primary healthcare provider you know your your gp or whatever and you could be going to them year after year and you could be seeing your cholesterol level slowly creep up. You could be seeing your fasting blood glucose slowly creep up. You know, essentially you're, you're falling into that middle age spread where, you know, your metabolic health parameters, whatever the fuck are slowly, but surely creeping up, but they're not creeping up at a, a very fast rate. And they're not creeping up at such a rate that it puts you in a, diseased or at risk population you know so what i'm saying is your 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 health parameters you know you do your fucking blood work with the doctor and your health parameters still fall in the average but if you look at your average over time you can see that these things are slowly but surely creeping up the way western medicine is at the moment nothing would really be done about that until you got to the top range of the, the average population or the bottom range, depending on what marker it is, you know, like the doctor would just say, yeah, you're within, you're within range, no real further need to do anything. Right. So if you were to look at that from a preventative healthcare perspective uh, or preventative sick care perspective, uh, you would look at that and go, okay, so we're looking, we're tracking your, these markers over time and we can see that your cholesterol is slowly going up. You know, and we, again, we can argue, which we will eventually, uh, about cholesterol as a marker of heart disease risk and all that kind of stuff. But for now, you'd go, okay, these these markers, your blood glucose, whatever fuck it is, all these markers, we can see that they're going in a direction that's leading you towards illness or would be indicative of illness, right? So in a preventative healthcare model, you would look at that and go, okay, so we can see that we're trending this way what can we do to intervene now so that you don't get put into this sick or ill population, this diseased population, you know? And I think that's where something like a personal trainer would come in. But again, I don't think right now personal trainers have the education to interpret that, to know what to do with that. But again, if we're talking about this idealized world, that's where the role of a personal trainer would fall in the healthcare sphere. Would you agree with that, Gary? Or what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I think, like, I think it's even more difficult than we make it sound sometimes because it's sort of a, a, 
the, the, the problems in the relationship go both ways, okay? What tends to happen from my observation when personal trainers get more interested in the health side of things, the prevention of disease, etc., is they start getting their education from sort of sketchy sources. So, for example, like it's not uncommon for personal trainers to say like malicious things about the medical industries or the medical field, you know, saying that, oh, they just want to keep you sick or like medication is bad and that, you know, oh, this cholesterol stuff, it's, it's, it doesn't matter. They're, they're only like telling you that so they can prescribe you statins. And, you know, and then you sort of, you reach out for this information and you're like, how can I, like, for example, if you were to ask that question, how can I apply a preventative healthcare model? Like realistically, you're probably going to end up down a pseudoscientific path looking at things like functional medicine and stuff like that. And then things start to get messy. Okay. So like from observation, that's the sort of thing I've seen happen with people who are interested in learning a little bit more. But the, but the problem there is, it comes back to what you said is like, where are we getting our education? Like, for example, if you're a personal trainer, you could have gotten your qualification from a weekend course, a six week course, maybe a six month course. A lot of personal training qualifications don't tend to be longer than that. And they don't tend to cover anything that is designed to allow you to fit in with other healthcare professionals. And that's obviously because it's not set up that way. So there's difficulties there from the personal trainer's perspective in terms of where do I get reliable information? How, where do I fit in here? Um, and what, like, what is actually reliable? Because like, if you think about it, like most personal trainers have never been taught how to read a research paper or exposed to like even an evidence-based medicine model of thinking um, and it's not to say that everyone needs to do that it's just that it's a problem if no one has any idea of what the how, how to find something that is true like that's a problem and then on the other side of that relationship is the perspective of medicine medical professionals healthcare professionals on personal trainers okay like generally like th there's there's no standard of education within personal training and that's a problem because there's no governing body that says a personal trainer needs to know this much um, to get their qualification to be like chartered, you know, like most professions will be chartered, you have to meet certain standards, whereas personal trainers aren't. Therefore, if I am a general practitioner, right, I'm a GP, I'm in that that sort of setting you were talking about, I've only got 10 minutes with my patient, and um, they come in, um, I see that oh, their LDL is sort of on the upper end, and their blood glucose is sort of almost nearing into pre-diabetic, uh, they're a little bit overweight. They're they're not particularly strong. I did this quick grip strength screen. I don't have any more time to to spend with them right now. What should I do? If it was a case that there was a reliable network of personal trainers that were trained to work on a referral basis with GPs, like that would be absolutely fantastic. But there's not. And if I was that GP, I'm going to be thinking to myself, I don't have the current knowledge to be able to give this person effective exercise recommendations especially not within 10 minutes um of course knowing the exercise guidelines is helpful but how do you then deliver that information change behavior guide the exercise intervention over time so if the personal trainer was there and they were reliable we could refer them out like that would just be beautiful but that's not there at the moment and i think it's important to recognize that like there are two sides to that story from within medicine looking out you're kind of saying well, I don't know who I can actually refer to here because there's no standard. And from the personal trainer's perspective, looking in, you're kind of saying, well, I only got this level of education. It's not very good. I don't actually know what doctors do. 
I don't know what these diseases are. I don't know what COPD is. I don't know what, like, how heart disease happens. Like, like why, what are these things? You know, even the basics. And then that can lead you to clutch on to some unreliable information, especially if you haven't been trained in how to attain reliable information. So that's a difficult problem that I don't exactly have a quick solution to. But I think ultimately, the, the one thing that is sort of undeniable here is that a standard for personal training education and a sort of culture of personal trainers setting a standard for ourselves, themselves, whatever, um, is important. Because I think that's one of the problems that ties back to something I said, where we often don't really know our place. Like it's often difficult for a personal trainer to know where exactly does my scope stop? Where exactly does someone else's scope start? You know, you see that a lot when it comes to rehab, when it comes to giving advice to people with specific medical conditions. It's like, I don't know where I actually stop. And when I go for in, look for information, I mightn't be getting it from reputable sources. So it's a bit of a difficult problem. Yeah, I, w- I would, would 100% agree? agree. And again, like this, this, this is the overall issue with personal trainers in the medical model. They don't currently fit into it, right? And I don't mean that from the perspective of what they do doesn't fit into it. I mean, from the perspective of they are not taken into consideration in the medical model. You know, and again, you can look at that from what I said. There's a the current medical model, whatever, uh, is a sick care model, right? So they're not really caring about preventative, right? And I say that not fully believing that because obviously they they do care about it, you know. <laughs> um, but the the current model isn't aligned with that. So essentially, what we're saying is there is an issue with the the current medical model in terms of it focuses mainly on sick care, which I'm fucking pretty grateful about. Um, but it, it doesn't really focus on the preventative side of things, right? Or at least most of the medical model doesn't, right? Um, and then you also have the other problem of personal trainers not having the education required to actually fit into even the sick care model, you know? They, like even like even if you go over like okay cool you got someone that has a I don't know broken arm or something and they've gone into the sick care model they've got whatever essentially the role of the personal trainer is what the physiotherapist is then required to do they're required to get that person they've broken their arm whatever the fuck um I don't know dislocated their shoulder in the process it's the it's the the physiotherapist that then is left to be like all right, you, you strengthen this guy's arm up again so he's ba- able to go back into his whatever sport or whatever, you know? That's the physiotherapist. So you've got whatever, we'll say six six weeks to 12 weeks post-surgery, they're seeing a physiotherapist and it's like, yeah, do these exercises. And again, you know yourself, Gary, that, that a lot of physiotherapists aren't even qualified, even though they are technically qualified. They're not qualified to actually do that. They don't understand, I will say resistance training principles, whatever you want to call it. Um, So that at the end of those 12 weeks, the person is rehabilitated, but that's where the, the, the care ends to an extent, you know? So that would be the place in the sick care model where a personal trainer would potentially fit in. They're kind of bridging that gap from, okay, the physiotherapist has given you the okay, they've rehabilitated you. Now you're back at 
a kind of baseline, you know, but how do we then start moving you into being able to prevent quote unquote, cause you know, you can't prevent all injuries. Um, how do we go about strengthening your body overall so that you're more resilient against future injuries? You know, there is no preventative after that sick care, you know? So I'm not just talking, even when I say preventative, I don't mean just before you get sick. I mean, after you've been sick, how do we then ensure that you are, I don't know, harder to kill in future, <laughs> you know? Uh, and, and, and that's again, where the role of the personal trainer would fit in, in the current quote unquote sick care model that we have of the health, the healthcare, you know, but like it's a really hard issue to solve, like you were saying, because the medical community looks at the personal trainers and goes, right, you guys aren't educated. There's no standards. There's no whatever. I don't know who to fucking refer to. I don't know. Like, I, I don't know. There's no, like, if they wanted to refer to a physio, they can go to the chartered physios of Ireland or whatever the fucking thing is and go, right, who's a physio qualified in my area? Cool. Right. Get in contact with them. That's who I'm going to refer to, you know? Um, same with like a dietitian or something. Cause again, like we're saying personal training, but personal training is in this weird realm where it's like you have nutritionists and personal trainers and maybe the same thing. So again, if <clears throat> that kind of whole thing where you're kind of stepping on the toes of physios, cause physios basically are physical therapists. I know that's a, a different terminology, but they are essentially giving you therapy for physical stuff you know they're, they're teaching you how to exercise or they're teaching you how to strengthen such an in such an area and whatever else you know maybe that does involve some manual therapies uh but maybe it doesn't you know uh so that's again the role of the, the, the physio basically they're exercise specialists or they should be and then again the the role of uh dietitians is to be dietitians you know but again it, the, this whole other thing then is created where it's like okay, well, how do we help people in the preventative sense to not need a physiotherapist? So we're, we're doing the exercise stuff, but we're also maybe doing the, the nutrition stuff so someone doesn't need a dietitian, <laughs> you know? So again, it's in this real gray area where, again, as, as, a, as a doctor or as someone in the medical community, you don't know the quality of the information that that individual has. There's no, there's no standardization. There's no uh, organizing body that is affiliated with other you know medical professions and it's extremely hard as a medical professional to put your trust in someone that you're like i have no idea i have no way of checking your standards your qualification you know and again as you said looking at that from the the personal training perspective a lot of people go into personal training because they enjoy training themselves they enjoy exercise they you know they, they're, they're in this whole sphere and they've maybe never been sick. They've maybe never been exposed to the medical profession. Like I've literally never been to a hospital outside of visiting people who are sick or visiting people who've given birth, you know? <laughs> like I've literally never been involved. Like I've never gone to the doctor. I've never been sick. I've never required medication. Like literally never. Like the only time I've ever used to go to a doctor was when I was boxing. You used to have to get like a full physical exam, you know? And that's the only time I've been exposed to the med like I give blood as well, so I suppose you could count that. Um, but that's the only time I've been exposed to the medical profession. Like I've never been sick, and I presume there's other individuals that are like that. So they've never been exposed to the medical profession. So 
they have no idea what the medical profession does, you know? Like the only reason I know to whatever extent I know is because I've read it in books and I, you know, I, I like, I like, like I like medicinal biochemistry, you know, so I read all that kind of stuff. And like, I like the tests and stuff that they perform. Like I like the, 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 all that stuff. So I, again, I know what they're doing from that perspective, but a lot of people don't. So you, again, like you said, you can be exposed as a personal trainer to a lot of thought processes that, or like I said, the medical profession is sick care, you know? And again, I'm saying that without fully believing it because it's not, that's not truly the case, but you could, you could <clears throat> be left fully believing that being, believing that big pharma, this person is just a shill for big pharma, like that in, like we said before, exercise is medicine or food is medicine and stuff. And it's like, to an extent, yeah, that's, that's true, but it has its, it's, it definitely has its role, but there is a bigger, broader picture to be aware of. And again, like, I think, like you said, there's this dichotomy between these two opposing viewpoints that they're not, they're, they're talking past each other. Like we talked about in that, uh, food is medicine podcast. You know, these people are just talking past each other. And it's like, yeah, if you really acknowledge that you both have a role to play in the overall healthcare model, you know, if we, if we put a little bit more work in the preventative healthcare side of things and the personal trainers, nutritionists or whatever the fuck are, all play a role in that. I think personally that the, the healthcare model would be better off for that. I also think that it would solve one of the biggest issues in the fitness industry, which is the fact that, you know, personal trainers have like a life expectancy, a life expectancy, an industry expectancy of like two to four years, you know, like they're literally, they get burnt out. They're just gone after two to four years. Like they're like, oh yeah, I got my qualification. Yeah. I left after four years, you know, like they're, they're not in the fitness industry anymore. They just go into like, I don't know, telemarketing or something. <laughs> um, so it's like, if you spent four years getting a proper qualification, you know, college affiliated, university affiliated, which is what we're going to talk about now in a second. Uh, if you spend four years, that's much less likely that you will then drop out of being in that industry because you've, you've spent money, you've spent more time actually getting qualified rather than just doing, you know, a two week, six week course uh, on whatever personal training, you know, you agree, Gary? Yeah. And I think the other big thing about that as well is that like, I don't think personal trainers often value their existence very much. Like, like that's a, it sounds cynical, but it's true because I actually think if personal trainers were provided with more education, they'd actually value their role so much more because like realistically, when you're, when you start off being a personal trainer, most people do it because they might not have been able to think of anything else they wanted to do after their leaving cert, you know, or they might've finished college. They decided to kind of, they were really into the gym, so they decided, you know what, I'd actually like to help other people in the gym as well. However, what they attach the idea of the gym to very often is people achieving goals similar to their own and thinking, oh, you know, I'm going to help people lose fat, I'm going to help people look good and all this sort of stuff, which is obviously, you know, valuable, of course, but I think it would even be more valuable and people would value their own self-worth a lot more if they knew that, um, you know, when you do uh, this much exercise, um, you can actually reduce someone's markers of fatty liver disease which actually then res results in a reduced uh, risk of multiple other comorbidities improves life expectancy etc it's like oh wow i didn't know that maybe maybe i'm i'm valuable there you could also like start to understand that sarcopenia and age-related muscle loss are huge threats 
to our elderly these days because lots of people are living longer, but people are getting weaker in those older years. And the role of exercise is becoming increasingly important with age because people are getting weaker. And we need to make sure that people are actually maintaining their strength and aerobic fitness as much as possible into those later years. And you can have a massive effect on someone's quality of life in those last 10 years if they're actually stronger, if they have more muscle mass, you know. And and I, I think if people understood that that was such an important thing, they'd actually value themselves more because you'd see yourself, your role as being more than just the body composition or transformation guy or girl, you know, because I think that is what people view personal training as at the moment. And I don't think that is a, like, I don't think that's a reflection of people just being shallow or anything like that. I think it's a reflection of the fact that personal trainers genuinely don't know like how useful they could potentially be if everything was set up in such in, in that way. So I think it's it's essentially mutually beneficial for every party involved to try and essentially like raise personal trainers up, give them that platform. Um, but that's easier said than done. And to give you a specific case example of something like this, I had one I had a patient on one of my placements. Um, and you know, I was with my tutor. And one of the things that I said at the end of the consultation, because they, they essentially would have benefited from engaging in more resistance training, but they didn't know where to get started. You know, they just had no clue. So I said, I said, I knew a gym um, that was that was in the area. I had actually worked there myself. So I was confident that they would be given a good service here um, as part of this service. And I was making that recommendation. And my educator kind of pulled me aside and she said, you know what, we actually can't do that because we don't know about the quality. We can't just refer people to gyms. Um, it's not something we do. And that's essentially what, what clicked this thought process for me and really put it into a real world case example is like, do you know what? I can understand where that educator is coming from. I can understand where someone is, where someone within the medical field, why they would think that, why they would have to make that recommendation or why they would have to say that. But at the same time, it's ultimately the patient that lost out there. It's ultimately the patient that was not able to avail of a service that was potentially beneficial because one, there was not a standard set for this gym. If that was a, if that was on a list of referrals, let's say like these are the gyms that we refer to when we're sending people out from the outpatient clinic, then that would just be ideal. And I think that really puts it into context why all of this stuff really is so important because exercise is getting more and more important, you know, it, and, and not less important, especially with an aging population. So I think it's something that needs to be taken seriously. Um, and it comes from both ends of the spectrum. And if I was to, if I was to say what personal trainers could do to kind of start this getting moving, it's ultimately about getting really good at what we're supposed to be really good at doing. And that is prescribing exercise. Like that is ultimately the foundation of personal training that I think often gets lost because people think that they're supposed to be nutritionists, that they have to know all this sort of stuff pulled from the functional medicine sphere. And it's like, whoa, 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 let's just pull back. Like, what are you supposed to be really good at? Prescribing exercise. Cool. Get really fucking good at that. Get good at behavior change stuff. Get good at knowing like all the foundational topics, subjects, exercise physiology, some biomechanics, behavior change stuff, the stuff that really forms the foundation of personal training. And then consider you know what, at what point do I start to refer on to others? Because ultimately it is about setting up those networks, having a standard of personal training 
and getting really good at one thing as opposed to just being the guy on the outside that's kind of trying to do a bit of everything we're not sure what they're good at because they don't really let us yeah, know that, that's you know? fair um so how, like obviously like you suggested there the responsibility i suppose falls on the personal trainers themselves they have to get better they have to they, they, they just do and again that's not to say that they're bad to start with it just means that as a as a cohort of people you have to show competence at the one thing that you're required to do which is to show people quote-unquote teach people i suppose uh teach people how to actually exercise you know how to how to move effectively you know and then you can start layering on the other stuff of you know maybe you do some nutrition stuff you know baseline nutrition stuff you're not necessarily giving these out and out recommendations but you're you're helping people form ideas about how to eat healthily you know and but at the, at the foundation of it all you are an exercise specialist so you better be damn good at teaching people to exercise both in terms of like resistance training and cardiovascular training and maybe you can layer on that mobility and stretching as well but like you know our, our, our thought process is that is part of resistance training to to a large extent you know and um, but you better be damn good at that you know if someone says like how can i strengthen x y and z muscle like you should understand what those muscles do you should understand what the function of that joint is whatever else like you should have a very good grasp of all of that stuff so that you know how to program exercise effectively for that person you know and i'm not talking about this person came to you with an injury or whatever that's that's a physiotherapist's job right this person has come to you and they want to get stronger move more effectively that's your job you know so that's you should be damn good at that right so that's the, that's the responsibility of the the personal trainer right but as a whole gary we actually have the two of us have opposing ideas or opposing beliefs uh surrounding this topic but as a whole do you think then that personal trainers should have to get a qualification insofar as you know do they should they have to go to college slash university to be qualified like should should they have to get essentially a level eight degree in ireland anyway uh a level eight degree to be a personal trainer should they have to go through four years of education to be a personal trainer what are your thoughts i'll give you i'll give you my idealized answer and then i'll give you my real world answer okay in an ideal world i think like if like a lot of college courses to be honest you could you could get you should be able to get qualified as a personal trainer know most of the theory that you need to kind of get going with after a year or two like that's just my personal belief because i don't think that like a, a very often college courses that are four years long are filled up with lots of modules that aren't really helping you, lots of time off that isn't really necessary. So in an ideal world, I think someone could be qualified within a year or two, like while actually also getting some practical experience within that time. Like that would be an ideal world. If we ran the universities, I think that'd be fair enough. Okay. Like if we think about the fact that we're talking about personal trainers who maybe normally get qualified in six months, then like there are some, there are some cases where you can be a personal trainer. You can do personal training and fitness instructor courses that are kind of four years long or three years long. Um, but again, they're filled with things that don't really need to be there. 
the educational quality isn't exactly very high. So I think even meeting in like in the middle between the current structure and the sort of exaggerated structures, and I think like one to two years would be pretty solid. Um, and it would certainly be a lot better than not having any degree. Now, in the real world, it's a little bit more difficult because like, for, like four, four years is a long time to get qualified um, as, a, as a personal trainer. There's currently no course that exactly caters specifically to the needs. You can argue that exercise science um, would meet those needs. And do I, think, do I think you'd be a better personal trainer if you actually had a degree versus not having any degree? I think so. But I think a lot of it is indirect effects. Um, like we kind of said before the podcast, I think the accountability aspect um, of university education, where you have to learn, you have to kind of be humble, you have to justify all of your beliefs when you're doing assignments and stuff like that. You have to be tested in front of people. I think all that stuff is quite important. Um, I also think that the critical thinking skills that one has the potential to gain when at, when at university are probably the most important things that you can get from any degree. If you don't leave college as a skeptical, critical thinker that has the ability to go and answer a question, you haven't attained the one benefit of going to college, like genuinely, like, because if, if you go to college, you should ultimately be, I guess you should, you should be really good at learning how to learn because the, whether it's one year, two years, four years, six years, you're not at the end of your educational journey so to speak and ultimately you need to be able to go out into the real world and when someone asks you a question you can say i don't know but i'll find that out for you right now and you know where to go you need you, you know like what what evidence what evidence is how you go and prove something all of those different things so ideal world we'd have a lovely two-year education program for personal trainers that would get you started and thereafter is the most important thing because like, regardless of what you do initially, I think ultimately there needs to be a continuing education process whereby you have to actually keep your knowledge um, as, as time goes on. Because in 20 years, we could have new recommendations for things and you need to be keeping up. So there should be, like I think anyway, regular exams to sort of maintain your qualification. Because like, like you see that sometimes with drivers, like my mother... My mother says that sometimes like that if she went to do her driving test, like, oh, God, I wouldn't pass my driving test now. Uh, whereas she got her license years and years ago. The standards are different. So I think, yeah, that's my ideal world wishy-washy sort of cop out. That's fair enough. Um, and to an extent, I do largely agree with that. I just think personally that universities are a terrible idea. And I say that as someone that is engaged in university education. <laughs> uh, Twice. Twice, yes. Um, <laughs> um, but I think largely they they are a, a waste of time, and that, like you said, it's the soft skills you pick up that are more important than the actual information you learn in a university. I personally am way more. I suppose you put it into the the rugged individualism uh, belief. In terms of, I'm like, I honestly don't care if you aren't able to teach yourself. I honestly don't care if you aren't willing to teach yourself. I'm like, that's a you problem. That shouldn't be the thing that drives the education system. You know, unfortunately, our education system is 
made up or created or whatever so that the most amount of people can have access and can have yeah, I suppose access and can do well you know I personally just think that leaves the system being weaker on the whole so that's perhaps my disillusionment with the education system as a whole and I think that even I don't even think it has to be a university I just think that it has to be a well thought of certification and like you said I think it should have continuous assessment the the one thing I find hard like I, I think the vast majority of stuff you could just learn online if you just had a recommended textbook and you had online quizzes exams whatever the fuck um like if we are talking about education what you're actually trying to do is measure competency like that's what a degree is supposed to do it's supposed to give you a piece of paper that says you are competent at whatever it is that you have studied, but it's also showed that you were competent in your ability to learn stuff, you know? So it's supposed to be a measure of competency. Like I personally think that education would be much better if it was created or made so that it actually tested that, you know? So it doesn't matter where you get the competency. Like, I don't care if you learn it on YouTube, you learn it on fucking Khan Academy. I, like it shouldn't matter where you learn it as long as you are able to pass the competency tests, you know? Um, like I see no reason why you shouldn't be able to do fourth year exams in, I don't know, accountancy if y you are able for them. You know, if you pay a fee and you're like, look, can I do these fourth year exams? Can I get a qualification at the end of that? Like, I don't see why that isn't a thing, you know? And I think the same thing for personal training. I think it should just be, you have maybe a national framework, whatever, that's cool. If it falls into the, you know, level five, six, seven, eight, whatever fucking framework that we have in Ireland anyway, uh, or wherever you are, like if it falls within that framework, awesome but i don't even think that necessarily needs to be the case it just needs to be a well thought of qualification that requires continuous assessment you know like it could be like say like you said like you you think that someone having a a degree is a good idea like you have like say the cscs they require you to have a degree to to get their their strength and conditioning qualification you know and i'm like that's that's fair enough that's essentially saying what you're saying you know that you are you have picked up these soft skills it doesn't matter if you got a degree in arts you can do the cscs but if you have no degree you're not allowed to do the cscs you know so it is a measure of competence and as a result it is more highly thought of you know and um, and i think that Something like that perhaps is a good idea, but I don't even think you need to have a degree to be able to do that because like you look at people that have like, I don't know, 20 years experience in the fitness industry and they might be the most competent, the most well-read person in the, the fitness industry and they did a six-week course 20 years ago and they might be on the ball perfect. To say that their, their skills are not valuable because they didn't do the the four-year degree or whatever is is clearly asinine you know uh, that's just like you living in an ivory tower and going like oh yeah like forget about those those fucking plebs down there like it's it's clearly clearly stupid right and um, so i personally just think that if if a, a governing body whatever the fuck if a certification body was to come about and just say like this is how this is the standard that we have for the tests 
and not have it as a standard, which what most governing bodies would fall into, they're essentially, and colleges fall into this as well, like universities fall into this as well. Like they essentially don't care about the quality of the education you receive. What they care about is the, the quantity of people they educate, you know, like especially in universities, like the, the standards for excellence just go down and down and down just so that more people can pass, you know, like they just want to keep their, their bell curve. They just want people to pass because obviously that gets more seats filled and as a result, they get more money, you know? Um, so it, there is the case for that. And I don't like, I, it's a hard thing to stop that happening because obviously a, a governing body needs to make money. But if it was the case that they didn't care if you failed and you just have to repeat the test and repeat the test until you could show that you were competent, I think that would solve a lot of the issues. But again, this is an idealized world. So how, how do we actually solve this issue in the real world, it just falls back on the personal trainer themselves, showing competence, showing that they are, yes, they don't have a piece of paper to say that they are competent, they can't do whatever, but being able to show competence to the community that they're in, being able to show the doctors, the GPs, the fucking whoever in their community that they are competent and that if they have, if those GPs or whatever have a an individual that they can see is an at-risk population for, you know, potentially moving into a diseased state, you know, like higher cholesterol, higher whatever, you know, and they could do with being put on the right track, then you should be able to show competence to those doctors, to the medical community, that you are someone that can be trusted, that you know where your, your boundaries are, you know where you should be referring out to someone, and you know your role in this whole thing, you know? So right now in the real world, it is a case that it is the full responsibility of the individuals, the personal trainers. Like if you fu like fully believe that personal trainers should be frontline healthcare workers, then you have to have that mentality. Like you can't just be like, oh, well, yeah, I'm real wishy-washy with stuff. And, you know, I don't really look at scientific data i don't really keep up to date with the the best practices i don't do any of that stuff i just do what i know then you can't say that you are part of the the medical community because that's what people essentially do like they will bag on doctors like personal trainers will bag on doctors they'll say oh well they're stupid because they just look at these tests and they they just want to fucking get you on statins or whatever else. And it's like, they, they don't really fucking care about the overall health of the individual in the long term, whatever, you know, they're, they're just, they're just shills or whatever. They're not keeping up to date with the, the latest stuff. But then you look at the personal trainer making that claim. And it's like, you literally have everyone doing the exact same program. You just like, you, you don't keep up to date with the, the medical literature yourself. You just, you got your entire education from Instagram, you know? And it's like that, that, that person is then making that claim over someone that made a huge investment in their education in terms of like, it takes whatever fucking the guts of 10 years to become a doctor, you know? So it's like, you, you can't just say, make these bold claims and then not do that yourself. It's completely hypocritical, you know, like unless you are staying up to date, like they expect doctors to spend two hours staying up to date with, two hours per day staying up to date with the current medical literature and whatever else. And it's like, they're not doing that themselves. They're not spending two hours per day 
studying the current medical literature. They're going on YouTube and watching a video from their favorite fitness professional or whatever and going, yeah, this is my continuous education. And it's like that, like it's completely diametrically opposed to what you're expecting someone else to do. And then you're expecting yourself to be embraced by that community, you know? So it's one one of those ones where it's like, yeah, you have to, the responsibility is on you to hold yourself to a, a higher standard as a personal trainer. And, um, but it's also the responsibility of the medical community to realize that there is value in what personal trainers do in terms of preventative healthcare or preventative sick care. Uh, so as an individual, if you're a personal trainer, then you have to show that you are competent. You have to allow people to see that you are competent and that you do fit into the medical community, you know, uh, like that you do have a place in the medical community, you know, but as a healthcare professional, if you are a nurse, whatever, I don't know, doctor, surgeon, whatever, like you should be looking for someone within the community that you can say is competent in this health and fitness stuff, whatever the fuck it is that you want to classify this stuff. Like you should be looking for someone in your community that you can refer people to that you know is then in safe hands, you know? Yeah, and, and like you've touched on probably the most important thing that I think every personal trainer should take away from this podcast. And that is that like you should know the shit that is really important at the core of your profession really important like you should know exactly how to describe an exercise and i don't just mean you push the bar up and down you should be able to show me where the forces from the bar are coming from how they relate to every joint that's involved in that exercise show me the line of force show me the moment arm tell me where the challenge is coming from and that also requires you then to know your anatomy you know the muscles involved you know what the joints look like on the inside you know how they function this stuff may not be important all the time but it's the core of your understanding of your profession. Then you start to think about exercise physiology. You know your exercise physiology. You know how muscles work. You know how they contract. You know what a tendon is. You know what its basic basic functions are. You know how the cardiovascular system works. When you say the word oxygen, you know where, where that's coming from, where it's going to. You know why all this stuff is important. Then you move on to the bigger picture stuff. You say, you know what? What actually are the exercise guidelines? If you don't know the exercise guidelines, you need to know the exercise guidelines. It's the basics of your profession. And that that, that includes just the most general guidelines for health. The typical guidelines that are like a meme. It's like, do 150 minutes of moderate to vigorous activity per week. Like that might seem stupid, but it's important to know those basic, basic things. And then you move on to like, all right, what does... What do I know about my field in terms of resistance training? How much volume is recommended per week? You mightn't think that's important for everyone, but you should know what the basic research says. The same when it comes to frequency, the same when it comes to intensity. How do different intensities of someone's one rep max, how does that relate to um, different exercise adaptations? Same when it goes to relative intensity. You're like Personal trainers are not just people who say, oh yeah, go to failure, bro. You should be able to speak about how, 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 how do exercise adaptations change when I am closer to or further from failure? You should know that because you'll have read the research related to that. Okay. Like it, like that might sound like a lot, but it's really not because they are the most basic things at the core of the personal training profession that we ultimately need to master. Like you master that stuff 
and then you can start to to clutch at other things because what i find so often is that you find personal trainers who are trying to talk about really diet advice for really complicated things like gut health and the microbiome and it's like man that stuff is so complicated and like if you don't understand basic exercise principles i'm wondering why we are talking about those things um and, and like that, that's just the core of the issue. It's like be really good at what you're really good at. And then we can ultimately set up that platform where people would want to refer on because they know you're good at your job. And it's the same with, it's the same when it comes to a physiotherapist. You know, you, you know, a physio is good because they're able to reassure someone when they're in pain. They know when something is a big deal, when it's not a big deal. And they know how, how they can get that person back to the point where then where they can then push that person along the spectrum and say, you know what? I think the rehab part is nearly done. I've got this friend, he runs a gym, really good at what he does, let's refer him on. And then you do the same thing when it comes to nutrition. You're speaking with your client, um, they tell you that, oh, you know what, actually I have Crohn's disease, um, could you give me some recommendations for food? And then what you say is, actually, do you know what, I've actually got this friend who's a dietitian. they're really good when it comes to Crohn's disease, would you mind if I referred you on to them? And that's how we build those relationships, that's how we network, that's how we build that platform and ultimately, bring personal training from a sort of a, a profession that ultimately doesn't really have its identity. It has a bit of an identity crisis that's floating kind of in this almost online industry, you know, um, it's sort of where our culture comes from. Um, and then we take it to the real world where we can really have um, important, useful effects. Um, 100% agree, Gary. You know? And again, like that is obviously a framework like we're giving people like this is what you should know this is what you should whatever but again that's that's just the the basic stuff and obviously we're not touching on every single fucking minutia of the basic stuff but basically if you are a personal trainer you should know how to exercise and like i'm always in kind of i suppose two minds like i'm like yes you should know all your anatomy stuff you should know all your biomechanics stuff but i don't necessarily think that means that you should know that in we'll call it scientific jargon, you should at least be able to show that you understand it yeah. intuitively, you know, like you should be able to be like, right, if I do a lunge, like saying that's a quad exercise, like that in, in my mind is just, just so like stupid, right? You should be able to say like, what, like, why would that be a quad exercise? How would you change that exercise to target or bias tension to some other muscle, you know, like, like how does the way you perform that exercise dictate whether that is a quad exercise or not, you know, like just having these categories, like going, this is a quad exercise and having this list of quad exercises that you just assume are quad exercises, you know, nothing about how the quads actually function, where they insert, where's their origin. Like you, you have no understanding of that at all. Like if you, if someone asked you to draw the quads, you, you wouldn't even be able to start, you know, you know, like you, you should have a basic understanding. You should have a basic understanding of the exercises and an understanding of the anatomy. And again, it doesn't have to be like, you know, every single little tiny muscle by its Latin name and fucking whatever else. I mean, like you should be able to be like, okay, so if I perform it this way, like I do a squat and I'm, this, the individual in front of me is a more upright and their knees travel really far forward. Like you should be able to say like, that's why 
the quads are working more or potentially working more. You know, you should be able to look at someone's squat and be like, okay, by the way you are squatting there, I can infer perhaps wrongly, but at least you can start making some of these assumptions going, okay, the way you squat there, you're going to be having a little bit more tension bias towards your, your low back, maybe your glutes a little bit more, you know? Like, for example, another one is like, if you do a leg press and your feet are really high up, you should be able to go, this this is still working the quads. Like this is still a quad exercise, but why is this individual feeling it a little bit more in the hamstrings? You know, like you should be, you should be able to understand that, be able to visualize that intuitively. Like why would that be the case? You know, like you, you, you should understand the exercise intuitively at the very least. You know, like not to say you should ignore the anatomy, you should ignore all the scientific stuff, you should ignore all the the, the volume, intensity, all that kind of stuff. It's like, no, 100% look after that stuff. But at the very least, like the very, very basics, you should understand exercise intuitively, you know, and that generally means that you should exercise yourself because this is another thing you see a lot in the, the fitness industry where people will prescribe exercises or prescribe modalities, never having done them before themselves, you know? And it's like, like, yes, to an extent, I can only feel what I can feel, but my understanding within my own body helps me better understand someone else's feeling in their body. You know, like I could, I could go into a stretch and say, Oh, this really stretches your hamstring, doesn't it? You know? And the individual in front of me goes, no, I'm feeling that entirely in my calf, you know, like you should be able to go, okay, so how can I move my body, contort my body so that I can feel it in my calf? Let me, let me try to get into the body of the individual in front of me, you know, and maybe you won't be able to do that with your body, but at least you should be able to think of it intuitively, how your body would move to feel that, that, that what you're in the individual in front of you is feeling. You know, so I think having that intuitive level of understanding is the very basics or the very, very minimum for a personal trainer. But anyway, Gary, is there anything else you'd like to add to this discussion? So we've kind of covered personal training should be ideal world should be frontline healthcare workers, right? We've covered the issues that are present within that in terms of the the personal trainers themselves needing to essentially upskill or at least making sure that they are competent in what they're supposed to be competent in we've also covered the medical profession how they should be moving personal trainers in a better direction you know they should be looking for competence looking for a referral network understanding where personal trainers do actually fall in the healthcare system and obviously personal trainers have to take the responsibility then of understanding that they do fall in the healthcare system and that means that they can't just give shit advice crap advice about all these random topics which they're just not educated in and we've also touched on some of the education stuff as well is there anything else you'd like to add to the conversation as a whole um i suppose the only other thing is to realize that everything we're saying goes as much for Paddy and myself, as it does to anyone else that is listening, because it can sometimes sound like we're sort of sitting in our ivory tower thinking, 
well, all of you people should uh, live like this. Uh, whereas like what we're actually saying is they're the, tri the sort of standards we're trying to hold ourselves to. Um, and I, I just think that's really important because it can be difficult sometimes because you view certain people in your industry as potentially experts every time they go beyond their scope of practice. Um, like if a personal trainer starts talking about really complicated stuff related to some disease process and how you don't actually need medication, you just need this weird nutrition trick. It's really attractive on the surface, especially as a, a young inexperienced trainer who's like, oh my God, I want to do that stuff. Um, whereas it's ultimately not, not what you want to be trying to do. And I think I've certainly experienced that in the past where you do look to people like that and you're like, oh my God, maybe they know something I don't. Maybe I should be trying to do that sort of stuff. Am I a bad trainer because I don't know all this this weird sort of functional medicine type stuff? Um, whereas if you actually just come back to thinking about what can we be really good at, I think that's ultimately like the best way forward. And the other thing there is that the reason we're having this conversation is because like we believe that personal trainers have the potential to do a lot of good um and like i care very much about about both sides of this discussion like about healthcare and about personal training like i like both of those things i'm interested in them and i that's why i think like i, I look at personal training and i see god like we could we could be doing so much good if this was set up very nicely everyone was nicely educated but again we're talking about an ideal world and and it comes back to that starting point of as an individual be the best you can possibly be at the things you're supposed to be good at. And like that goes for anything in life. And I think it will ultimately ultimately give you a lot more job satisfaction as well. If you can go into work every day and think I'm actually getting better every day at the thing that I'm trying to get better at. And then you start to reach that higher level and your clients recognize that and other trainers recognize that. And they think to themselves, God, you know, this guy or girl, they're like, they're really upskilling on this exercise thing. Like they're talking about these things like with such certainty and I never knew that. And then you, you are essentially one node in a network that elevates the whole profession because you're not just you as an individual, you know, people who know people who know people. And that's why I think individualism has, has a lot to, has a big role to play. And I think that's something we would be very much in agreement with uh, Paddy. Like, like you said, in relation to education as well, it is sort of that idea of rugged individualism and, and that if you want something to manifest in the world that you start with yourself and you make sure that you are the perfect example so that those around you can then try to to follow that um, and that you influence others and that you ultimately influence the profession as a whole. So, yeah, just fucking be be competent, like <laughs> some yeah, good advice. Um, well, I have nothing else to add, except I hope that people listening to this do start not only seeing themselves as frontline, well, personal trainers anyway, listening to this, start seeing themselves not only as frontline healthcare workers, but also acting like frontline healthcare workers, you know? Um, like you said, upskilling, always a good idea. Again, that doesn't have to mean you are doing, you know, education, you're not getting extra qualifications. That's not necessarily the case. Like you can read books on certain topics you can read books on even just basic physics and stuff so you understand movement better you like stuff like that like very basic stuff so that you have a better grasp on what you're supposed to have 
a good grasp on. And again, people always look at it, like you said, whenever you discuss this stuff, like, oh, well, the person given this information, they obviously think of themselves as being awesome, being the best or whatever. And like, that's not what we're saying. What we're saying is if you, you, you should just constantly be progressing. It doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter if you are ahead of us in knowledge, behind us in knowledge. Like, I really couldn't care less about that. Like, what I want is like a rising tide raises all boats, you know? So if we all start holding ourselves to higher standards, we all benefit from it, you know? <clears throat> so I do think that if everyone did upscale, did every, if everyone did really put forth an effort to continually get better, the, the industry as a whole would get better, but also the individuals we're trying to help would get a better service. And ultimately that is, that is the goal of this entire industry, you know? Um, but yeah, keep educating yourself, keep pushing forward, treat it like you treat your resistance training. You know, you're going to progressively overload your muscles with tension. Like why don't you just progressively overload your brain with information, you know, like keep getting better. It doesn't matter if it's, you know, 20 minutes, 15 minutes of actual study, education, reading a book, not just again, like we said earlier on watching some YouTube video, like, yes, that can definitely form a part of your education, especially like there are a lot of individuals that put out really good information in a visual format that may relate to whatever it is you're studying, especially around the kind of the biology stuff. You know, if you want to understand the, the cardiovascular system, maybe muscular system a bit more in depth, you know, there's definitely good videos out there. There's definitely information in certain media that you would benefit from interacting with. So yeah, that may form part of it. But again, your baseline should be reading either studies or reading information that has already distilled these studies down, you know? And again, like that's, that's kind of what we try to do. I hate plugging it or whatever, but that's kind of what we try to do with the militia, you know, try to distill research, distill information down so that you have a source of this information, you know, that you can go to and go, okay, what about X, Y, and Z topic? Oh, cool. They have articles. They have article series on these topics. Let's interact with them and get a better education overall, or at least let's get pointed in the, the right direction so that we can do more or further research into this, this area, you know? Um, that's not to say that the militia will give you everything you need to know about exercise, health, fitness. That's, that's not what we're trying to do. Well, to an extent it is, but you know, that's, I don't think there would like we, like I'm not a psychologist, Gary, you're not a psychologist. So obviously that would be a gap in the knowledge that you would be able to attain from the, the militia, you know? So this is, this is actually <clears throat> one of the, the biggest issues with the personal training stuff. Like it can seem like, you have to know everything when, like you said, like the very basic stuff that you have to know is exercise. So before you start looking into all this psychology, all this nutrition, all this X, Y, Z, whatever, you should have mastered exercise, you know? Yes. hundred percent psychology, nutrition, all the other stuff is beneficial for you as a trainer, especially having a very cursory knowledge of say like psychology, you know, understanding, the individual and the individual's needs, the, the person that's in front of you, like being able to 
connect with them is huge in personal training. But at the end of the day, it's useless. Nobody fucking cares if you connect with this person on an individual level, if you can't help move them in the right direction because you fundamentally don't or are not competent at what you're supposed to be competent in, which is exercise prescription, you know? So yes, learn all the other stuff. Yes, the militia may help you with that. But overall, realistically, if you want to be the best person that you can be, you should be looking at multiple sources of information. You should be reading primary literature, you know, studies. You should, yes, look at individuals that are distilling that down, but you should always keep that skeptical mind or skeptical framework going, hmm, let me just see if that information is actually correct. Anyway, Gary, do you have anything final to say on that whole discussion? I guess the only thing is that like this podcast essentially lays out like one of the fundamental long-term goals that we probably have and that we've kind of talked about since we started triage was that like in the long term we would love to find or to to contribute to the process of bridging the gap between healthcare and frontline healthcare profession professions i.e personal trainers you know because ultimately that is the way things are moving and if we can play a role in that we'd be delighted. So to those of you who have your own educational platforms, to those of you that run group coaching um, in day-to-day personal training, all that sort of stuff, like join us on that mission, you know, be, be the change and we'll all move things forward. But other than that, I have nothing else to add. So I hope you all enjoyed this episode and remember that it is too easy. It really, really is.